our Lakeshore campaign features content that some viewers may find uncomfortable, including gun violence, drug use, and sexuality. For more detailed information, including full content warnings and transcripts, check out the show notes or our website, therealmscast.com. Previously on Lakeshore, the gang infiltrates the basement of the Drake Casino to track down some answers. There, they run into Knox's estranged father, kept captive in an underground cell, and the lounge singer Hazel, who reveals herself to also be working for a demonic patron. Hazel forces Knox to reveal his demonic form to the surprise and outrage of Susan, and then suggests that they team up to destroy the contracts Rex uses to control his legion of demons. Along the way, the gang finds the information they need to manufacture Sunshine, but when they make it to Rex's office, Kitty inadvertently summons all of Rex's pet demons. Rex crashes the party and the gang makes tracks, with Susan and Roman taking a few licks on their way out. Hazel tags along and they all speed away in the back of a cab as chaos erupts in the casino behind them. Hi, my name is Jillian. I play Susan the Hunter. It's good to be here. Hi, I'm Jory. I play Kitty the Oracle, and it is good to be here. Hi, my name is Eli. I play Roman the Fan. It's good to be here. Hi, my name is Jordan. I play Knox the Tainted, and it's good to be here. I'm Jesse, in the recording studio with a microphone. It's it's like a clue, like a clue bit. Um, welcome to Many Realms. To start us off, the four of you are in a taxi cab that is speeding away from the Drake Casino after you broke in, crept into the basement, shot a bunch of people, faced off against Rex Lemaire, unleashed a host of 13 ghastly demons, and left Knox's father there to die in a 13 demon attack. In the front seat sits Hazel, the songstress from the Drake Casino, who asked you if you could all help her find a way out of the sticky situation after she got you into Rex's office. As you are sitting there and the cab begins to pull away from the curb, the cabbie looks back and sees Roman's unconscious form sprawled out in the back seat, and he says, uh, Oh, uh, uh, what happened? Do we need to get to the hospital, the uh, ER? Hazel cuts him off and she says, um, No, we have a, a private doctor, uh, much closer, uh, shorter wait times. Um, Susan, the address of the doctor, what was it again? I give the address of the Naturalist Society, or at least the closest intersection to that part of the park. But I say, Kitty, you can come. Rowan, obviously, but... Hazel, Knox, you two are not welcome in that establishment anymore, I'm sorry. Hazel's face kind of tightens a little bit, and she looks over at you, Susan, and then over at Knox, and she gives you a curt nod and begins directing the cabbie over to the intersection in question. About 20 minutes later, you are uh, unloading Roman's body onto the sidewalk at the corner of the park where the neighborhood of Fairside kind of begins. Hazel stands with her arms folded a few paces back and she looks at you, Knox, and she says, You live around here? Uh, I mean, relatively. What, are you going to be, are you going to stick around? I think my options are pretty limited for today, as far as I can tell. Plus, I think you and I could probably stand to have a good talking between us. Why don't we go uh, grab a seat for a minute? Yeah. Hazel and Knox uh, walk off in the direction of Knox's apartment. We'll stick with team like ER for a moment longer. Kitty, you are holding Roman's legs and Susan has like a carry going on with her jack shoulders supporting Roman's body. Roman is drifting in and out of consciousness, having been clawed and diced and minced and chopped by uh, a whole host of demons as she fled the Drake Casino. You want to head to the Naturalist Society? Yeah, we have equipment there. I just want to say second time in like three episodes, these two carrying my limp body. <laughs> you never learn, do you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you head to the Naturalist Society. Uh, it's probably 
pretty late at night. I'd say you went into the Drake Casino shortly after dinner and you stuck around there for two or three hours and then busted out and came straight here. So it's probably coming up on 11 or even close to 12 as you uh, escort Roman's slumbering form through the dark, barely lit woods of Fairmont Park. And when you arrive at the Natural Society, the lights are off and of course it looks unoccupied, Susan. Yeah, I didn't expect anybody to be there, but I'll do my best to scrounge up whatever medical supplies we have. I also require medical attention because I got shot. Okay, so sell me this scene a little bit. Kitty is, I think, at full. Yeah, Kitty's fine. Susan, are you like stumbling in and like pointing Kitty towards like the first aid chest and like making her do all like what do you want to accomplish what's going on I want to stop Roman from dying we have a couple of cots that we use to treat Knox back in episode one I gestured a Kitty to set Roman down and I give Kitty directions to where stuff is in the center because it hurts to move because I got shot in the side. Kitty, have you ever treated uh, gunshot or demon wounds before? No. So how are you doing this? What's Talk to me. Talk to me about this. I am just trying my best to follow Susan's instructions. I'm pretty much deferring to her knowledge. Maybe I have a bit of a shaky hand when I shouldn't. Stuff like that. I might know first aid. I might know like treat for shock, but that's it. I think I can do most of the work on Roman myself, but I need help sewing up my own wound just based on where it is. So that's what I need Kitty for. I think Kitty being very inexperienced in this regard should make a role to keep her cool while she is attempting uh, surgery for the very first time. Sorry, what am I rolling with? Spirit. Oh, spirit. So that makes that a five. I'm spirited. <laughs> On a five, you are, it, it's it's kind of a huge impossible ask to get you, for Susan to be like, okay, like fish this like bullet fragment out and then sew me up. No big deal. <laughs> you were, you took like quilting class in home ec, right? Like it's not quite the same situation. How much harm did you take in that altercation with the demon, Susan? Two. I think you bump up to three harm as uh a couple hours have passed and you haven't received adequate medical treatment for this uh, gunshot wound. I could buy that you telling me that you've treated like demon attacks and stuff like that on yourself and your compatriots before. So I could figure that you could, with the supplies you have here and like minimal assistance, at least one harm to Roman so that she's not on the absolute brink of death. Although at a three, she'll be like uh, taking a short walk away from the brink of death with the option to come back if she gets bored. <laughs> Kitty, as you said, with shaking hands, you are trying to to excise this piece of metal, which for all you know is um, coupled with runic magics, like most of the other bullets you've seen in the past five weeks. And Susan is trying not to scold you, but she's wincing and uh, biting uh, her lip. You've got her suit jacket and her blouse off. Maybe she's like on one of the cots and you're kind of like digging into her and she's trying not to scream uh, in the middle of the night here in this like empty naturalist society. Roman um, has had a bunch of antiseptic applied to her wounds. They're clean. They won't get demon infected, hopefully. At least you could follow Susan's instructions to bandage up your sister. But less than half an hour later, these bandages are starting to seep through with blood and with pus again. She is in a really bad state. It's kind of your fault if I don't know if there's any moment of conversation between Susan and Kitty here, but I wish there was. Kitty, forget it. Who fixed you? Um, as far as I know, I think I think Roman did. So that's it's not a lot of help. I know. Is there somebody? Do you know someone how, who usually helps you? I'm sure you've been hurt before. I've trained the ladies the best I can. I wish Joan were here. Well, where is she? Can we get her? I imagine she's out on patrol. Maybe if she sees the light on, she'll come round. But both Roman and I are in rough shape here, and it's only going to get worse. I guess we could ask the Fae for magic. You didn't let me do it last time, but would you let me do it this time? Can I let it out to try and access magic that I'm not used to using to see if I can help a bit? Sure. I, the last time you did that, you did turn your sister into a dog, Robin. I just want that on the, your O for one. <laughs> That's but, true. Yeah, well, being a dog's better than being dead. I love to be a live dog. Being a dog, Robin, was pretty awful. But <laughs> I like to think I was in a lot of pain. Well, this time I'm doing it to Susan. 
So fair. So I guess since Susan is pretty coherent, I will ask first. I can try to use magic. I I don't think last time I did it went kinda it went kinda sideways. Yeah, no offense, I don't trust it. Okay. I'm not gonna do it if she says no, but <laughs> we need someone who can do magic, control magic, heal properly. I would seek out one of Ileana's court if they hang out in the park at night. I hope they do. Wait, why is Kitty not using her magic on me? Because I asked Susan and Susan said, I don't trust you, so I don't trust me. Aww. Okay, so when Susan was like, don't do it to me, you were like, I'm not going to do this to anyone then. Yeah. Then it it sounds like Ileana is kind of your go-to right now. So am I about to go out into the woods by myself to try and find a fairy? That's a sounds like a pleasant evening. That sounds like a lovely time. I'm into that. Are you into that? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find anyone. Okay. And do I have a name I can give her to call out into the woods? I know Ileana. Kitty has like seen Ileana and like vaguely knows who she is. I think it's the kind of thing where if you speak her name around the right people, like they'll know what you're after. And it'll be drugs, but not in this case. After some futile attempts, Susan, in a significant amount of pain, you can feel maybe even the bullet has like moved a little bit with uh, Kitty's clumsy ministrations. And it is like searing pain shooting up and down your left side. You eventually push her hands away and tell her that maybe the only option is getting a second opinion since none of you are doctors. We will jump to Knox and Hazel. Uh, Knox, you are down to bring Hazel home to meet your parents? Well, the cafe. Yeah. Can it be raining? Can we have a window seat? Can I have a cafe mocha? And what does she have? She just wants like a green tea. Not a London fog? No, her life's full of enough fog. Whoa. Yeah. She's a heartbreaker. Um, All those details can happen. Thank you. I wish I would get all these details all the time. It is raining. You are in the window seat. You now have like a bit of time to appraise Hazel now that you're not meeting in the midst of a chaotic, violent uh, clash of factions and forces in the Drake Casino. She still carries that ethereal beauty that you noticed when you first saw her, and she still has that intensity in her eyes as she looks you up and down, sitting across from her at this cafe table. And you can see more than anything now that you spent a little bit of time in her company that she's very guarded, very tense. Her shoulders are pushed straight back. She's a living posture check and she's clutching her mug of tea almost like she's trying to guard it from you, like she's afraid it could be taken from her at any moment. And she says, the first thing I'd like to do is um, apologize to you, Knox. When we met earlier tonight, I... Well, I I think I'd like to say that there was something of a misunderstanding. I thought you were at the Drake for different reasons than you were, and um, I acted based on my assumptions, which is, you know, you know what they say about that, something about the butt or whatever. So I'm sorry, and I would hope that we could have a, a fresh start, because it's like you said earlier, we we are kindred spirits of a sort. Yeah, about that. What What kind of deal did you make? A stupid one. Uh, A deal that only um, (laughs) a very young, very naive person would make thinking that anything could be worth the price of their immortal soul. I, I wanted fame. I wanted fortune. I wanted to be the very best at what I did. And I had friends that liked to mess around at night with candles and chalk, and it all seemed really kind of silly at first, but then it wasn't very silly. And then I wished out loud in the wrong place at the wrong time, and my wish got granted by a charming little lady named Malarax. Rolls right up. Yeah, doesn't it just? What about you? Something to do with your dad? Uh, yeah, he... I suppose it was tit for tat back there. He left me for dead 13... 12, 13 years ago now. And as far as I'm concerned, he got off easy. I'm sorry to hear that, Knox. It, it sounds like you've walked a pretty hard road. What makes me curious is... You got 
everything you ever wanted and you still weren't happy. You said you said a wish granted. I, 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 that wasn't my situation at all. I just mine was a, a prayer, if anything. I don't know exactly how these how these creatures work, how they choose who it is they want to listen to, but what I do know, and I wonder if you agree, is that they they prey on people that are either too desperate or too needy or unfortunate or stupid or out of luck they find those people and they take what they want I don't blame you for doing what you did I think you made the only decision you could to save your own skin but it doesn't mean you deserve to live a life of punishment and servitude no one does yeah well I mean that's that's I think enough recollecting for today we're looking forward what's What's the plan? What happens next? Can you tell me a little bit about this gang you run with? What do you want to know? They seemed like they were after uh, Sunshine, first and foremost, at the Drake. Are they uh, some of Arthur's stooges? Oh, <laughs> a call of a stooges. I I, yes, we've been employed by Arthur Cho. That's why we were at the Drake Hotel. We've seemed to make... At least, I myself have made quite the enemy of Rex Lemaire to the point of making friends with people that we typically would. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, if there's anything I've learned living here, it's that Rex can drive some people to some pretty desperate ends, even when they're his friends, but especially when they're his enemies. What do you know about Arthur Cho? Not much. I mean, Rex has kept me on a pretty tight leash for the uh, entirety of the time I've been here. I obviously, if I was seen consorting with any of the wolves at the docks, he'd probably rip my heart out and eat it for supper. He's not a very nice man, as I'm sure you've understood. I know that Arthur, he wants to stir up trouble. He wants to pull away some of the wolf forces for his own ends. I'm sure you know about them better than I do. I guess he probably wants to start a production of Sunshine again. Yeah, that's about the long short of it. Besides all of the the politics and the chaos and the stupid fights in the city, what about you, Knox? What about your own future? You personally? I mean, don't you want to get out from under the thumb of your patron? Don't you want to be free? It's the only thing that I want. It's all I've been trying to do for the longest time. Well... I think if you and I are in pretty similarly shaped boats, we might have the best chance of working together and and trying to beat back this current. So let's work together. Let's let's stick this through. Let's find a way out. Where do we start? She reaches her hand out and places it over yours and brushes her thumb against your knuckles. And she says, Well, I guess the first thing we need to do is figure out exactly what it is we're up against. How much do you know about demons? Katie, you've set out from the southern door of the Naturalist Society building, plunging into the dark, ooky, spooky woods of Fairmont Park with a bloodstained gown with a pair of surgical scissors tucked into your bustier, just looking for a for a miracle, basically. What's going on here? What's your plan? I've also taken off my shoes and I'm walking barefoot. Practical. That I like. Knowing virtually nothing about where I'm trying to go, I would have sent you in like a direction at least. I said she went out the south doors. Okay, so I'm just heading south looking for, like, lights or listening for any sound. I don't think I'd be calling or anything like that because that sounds like bad news. Mm -hmm. But I'm searching for signs of life, essentially. What time is it? It's the stroke of midnight now. You're walking out in the rain. Your gown's just ruined. How sad. In the darkness of Fairmont Park, it's not that you are listening for any noise at all. You're listening for the right noise because you can hear very uncomfortable animalistic, you know, scratchings and scuttlings in the brush and things fluttering and shifting in the trees. You are not 
really uh, outdoors at night, secret adventure kind of gal, I would go so far as to say. So I think you're pretty frightened. In fact, I remember in episode one, you talking about being a little bit scared of wandering around Fairmont Park by yourself at night, which turned out to be a sub-prophecy. Speaking of episode one, can I retcon a little bit and say I brought a box of salt with me? Yeah, I think that's fair. There's probably one in the nature center for use in there salting class um so you're making your way in the woods and after a while you see what looks like a pale orange light very far in the distance it looks like like natural light like candlelight or firelight it's not electric and um it's kind of wavering and shifting and you can hear noise that's coming in that direction too but it's pretty indistinct and you're not quite sure exactly what it is all right i'm gonna see if I can see what's happening before I charge in. Yeah, as you draw closer, you can see that there is a small campfire built up in one corner of this little meadow of the park. It's got a wooden like frame over it to help shelter it from the rain. Shifting and marching around this fire are a group of what look like, you know, humans, neighbors. They are dressed in slightly unusual clothing, A lot of, like, tattered, kind of ragged garb, pants rolled up to the calf. The women are in, like, shredded petticoats and, you know, weird, like, fingerless gloves. And they are drinking and dancing and whooping as they circle this fire. At the far end of this meadow, in a big throne that has been hewn together from birch logs, you recognize the woman Ileana that you met at the hardware nightclub the night that it caught fire and you got super bullet punched punched by bullets that's how they say that in the 20s 20s slang is wild i am going to circle around to the side of the circle that uh iliana is on i want to try and catch her attention without catching everyone's attention i realize that's not exactly how this works but That's the goal. I would ask you to roll to keep your cool again. Ooh, this is better. 12. Oh, that's great. You luckily have the advantage of being barefoot, I guess. And you like pick up your skirt in your fists and try to gingerly step over the damp grass and avoid breaking any twigs or kicking any rocks. And you make your way around to the side of Ileana's chair. As you do, it seems she has noticed you. Powerful and magical as she is, she notices most things. Uh, and as you approach, she raises a hand in greeting and gestures for you to step over to the side of her chair. Oh, this is going to be so bad for me. I'm just meeting her right away and asking her for a favor. Aive. <laughs> I'm going to go up to her and say, Hello, uh, Ileana. I don't think we've met, but I believe you know my sister, a Roman. Have you come to join my dance? As fun as this all looks, unfortunately, no. I have something more urgent to ask of you. What's that, darling? Don't cry. Oh, I haven't stopped crying for hours. You can't ask me to do that. Okay, fine. My sister, she needs help. She's very, very, very badly wounded, as is my friend. I can't do it. I need somebody, and you're... This is the first people I've found just to help them get through the night, please. At the mention of Roman's name, she turns and regards you a little more sharply. She looks you up and down, and she says, Hold out your arm. I do. I am concerned, but I do. Similar to what she did to Roman the last time she saw her, she kind of runs her nails down the inside of your arm and gently plays her fingers over the palm of your hand and your fingers. What are you? You're like a fae, but not. I'm... Person. What power do you hold? Oh, um, I can see the future. I can, um, sort of, um, I guess you might call me a psychic or, or an oracle is the, what the uh, playbook says. <laughs> <laughs> You're special. What's your name? Kitty. Let's go for a walk, Kitty. I'd love to help you. Uh, Thank you. And I start taking her to the Naturalist Society. Hopefully. She gets up, 
And curiously, when she when she rises from her chair, instead of leaving behind an empty chair, she leaves behind an illusion of herself still sitting in the throne, drinking a cup of wine and gazing over at her followers who are dancing around in a circle so that they don't believe that she's left them for even a moment. You start leading Ileana back to the Naturalist Society, but instead, as you're walking north back towards, she takes your hand and she pulls you a little bit east and she brings you down a side path to a small hollow in the wood. And she says, it's okay. We're going to help your sister. But you must understand, Kitty, I cannot help anyone for free. Can we, can we help her first? I don't know. I, I promise I'll do whatever this is, but I don't know if she'll last. It will only take a moment. <sighs> okay. And she leans in really close and her big, beautiful, blue, luminous eyes search your face. Um, even though it's raining, she still gets a moon spotlight because she's that <laughs> HBIC. Uh, <laughs> remember 2014? And she takes her hands once again and she clasps them in hers and she says, Would you do anything to save your sister, Kitty? Uh, she's going to say yes. And I... I'm gonna be very bad and keep doing bad at this game. <laughs> I think yeah. you're doing great at this game. <laughs> it's called drama. Yeah. yeah. It's great. There's so much stuff for to work with. It's fertile ground. She says, say you promise, say you'll promise to do whatever it takes to save your sister. I will, I'll do whatever it takes. Say you promise. Uh, I promise? She suddenly grips your hands super strong and you can feel the muscle and the bones in your hands start to ache a little bit as she's like squeezing and squeezing and squeezing in a vice grip. And as she does, you can feel like a tingle shooting up your hands around your shoulders and into your forehead, like a, a little flash of a migraine comes on. And then she lets go of your hands. The sensation immediately stops and she smiles broadly and warmly at you. Thank you, Kitty. She turns around and she kneels at a bush that is growing in this wood that has uh, little clumps of two or three white berries sticking out all around it. She pulls off eight or nine of the berries. She puts them in the cup of wine that she was drinking. She places her hand over the cup and whispers a couple of words and she pulls her hand away. She hands you the cup and she says, have your sister drink this and she'll feel all better. I nod, um, thank you very much. And I scurry back to the Naturalist Society. Do you, Jillian and Roman, think there's interest in like uh, Susan and Roman having a conversation as like Roman comes to? If you want to confront Roman. I love confrontation. Okay. You look like shit. I feel like shit. Me too. I like peek an eye at you and I'm like, you look like shit. Kitty tried to help, made it worse actually. She, uh, she's not a doctor per se. I know, I just hoped it wouldn't go this way. I, I, ju I wouldn't usually try to like block you out here, but I think Roman is like kind of sensing that there's some tension here and is like, I'm gonna pretend I am passing out again and maybe you see me like shift away and it makes it more awkward. <laughs> hey, hey, don't move. You're gonna hurt yourself. Uh, how's, uh, are, you, are you all stitched up or? Wait, where's Kitty? Where's Knox? I sent Knox away because I'm not letting demons inside my establishment ever again. Thank you very much. Very godparents. Because <laughs> <laughs> he is a demon. Freeze. <laughs> oh no, is Simon Crocker? That's so fucked up. <laughs> Are you ever going to tell me? You, you both were keeping secrets. I... I didn't, I don't think you would have want me telling everybody your secret. Um, their identity is their business, whatever. Trying to stay out of it. 
I don't think my gender has anything to do with people getting hurt. Demons run this park, run wild in this city. You've seen the basement, the crypt of the casino. You know the extent of this. He's working for Rex Lemaire. And you don't think that's a problem now and something I should have known about? Would I know that you don't want to be a demon? Have we talked about that? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I think Roman maybe would take the approach of like, uh, well, when he swore me to the secret, he had his gigantic bone claws, and she's saying this, like, coughing up blood, <laughs> like, pressed up against my skull, and I could maybe, like, show her a spot where, like, hair doesn't grow anymore, and he literally told me he would Swiss cheese me, so, you know, as much as I respect your profession and want to help you, you know, rid the city and everything... I'm not really here to be turned into Swiss cheese. I'm more here to, you know, help my queen or whatever. You say one more goddamn word, <laughs> you will become Shut Swiss up. cheese. Wouldn't it be great if no one ever had to be Swiss cheese ever again? Hey, yeah, no, I'm totally all for that. I would love to have no more demons. Just, um, look at me now, no demons. I'd probably be walking around fine, cough up a little bit more blood. Also, why on earth did you think it was a good idea to drag your sister out of a magic circle surrounded by demons? Yeah, that wasn't great. You know about magic. It's funny because I don't, and that didn't occur to me, but that is, a Ro I guess, a Roman <laughs> fuck-up. Yeah, I'd say you were very desperate to get your sister to safety, yeah. which has kind of been your secondary motivation this whole time. Yeah, slowly becoming primary again. Um, I don't know what to tell you, Susan. I'm not always very smart. I just want to survive in the city. I can't tell you I'm making all the best choices and the smart choices or the one that's keeping everybody safe. I just want to sleep in my bed. Well, I think we make better choices as a group when we all have a common goal. I just wish everyone would be more careful. This isn't child's play. These are real, actual demons who can turn anyone into Swiss cheese or whatever else you can imagine. <laughs> Parmesan, <laughs> Gruyere, Ooh. Camembert. I love cheese. All right, well, you're gonna be some if you keep laughing. <laughs> Roman, she's maybe being still a, a little bit abrasive. She maybe sounds a little bit rough. Uh, I think you get the sense that she is trying her best and is just in bad shape and is kind of like feeling like she's backed into a wall right now, but she's like, Look, I don't know what you want me to say. I'm sorry, I fucked up. I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm, I'm genuinely on your side. I'm trying to do my best. I don't know. I think at, after she like goes on that tiny tirade, she's like tired again. You two fall into an uneasy silence. Roman, you lying on this cot in agony, waiting for your sister to come back, feeling like you have maybe only one friend in the world at all, and she's not even a real doctor. <laughs> Susan, <laughs> you are sitting upright on the cot, leaning against the wall, holding your hand to your side, hoping that Kitty will just come back and you can at least fix up Roman and at least get to some stability uh, and call it a night. And the door of the Natural Society opens and you hear someone step in and notice the lights that are on in the infirmary or sick bay or like whatever side cots you have set up. You hear Joan's voice call out, What the fuck's going on in here? Hazel and Knox. Yeah, Hazel doesn't have a place to stay. She wants to know if she can stay in your apartment with you tonight. Oh, and did we also want to talk about intimacy? When you share a moment of intimacy, physical or emotional, with another person, they give you a debt they hold on someone else. Uh, give me that for the hand touch. So I can then kick her out of my place. <laughs> um... No, Knox is too, especially like now too, like being driven away by his friends, his accomplice near friends, and having to have his like real true friends run out of town because of him. He's definitely got like a complex that's being very uh, uh, cemented over the past couple events that he's not, uh, you know, even just uh, intimacy. Uh, uh, like, you know, I gotta, I gotta have friends first and be able to hold down a friendship before I hold down a relationship, you know? This relationship would sink, you know what I'm saying? 
Are you saying you don't want to act like you're not interested in experiencing the intimacy move and you don't want the scene like framed that way? Well, if she asks to stay, I'm going to say, I, I mean, I guess along the lines of that is that like, no, I'm, I, I, I just, it's just no. Okay. <laughs> though, though I want to work together, it's just like how it's been with the rest of the party where it's like, it takes some warming up to, especially again, because now that the relationships that I had with the rest of the party here have in some ways deteriorated. At least with uh, Susan, you know, hesitant. Okay, I think when you rebuff her, she definitely bristles. She says, um, you know, time's not something I have in abundance, Mr. Knox. I, I don't have anywhere to stay tonight, and I don't find it very gentlemanly of you to turn a lady out onto the cold street with nowhere to go. Okay, you can... You can stay. And I... You or I'll sleep on the floor or something like that. Don't you have a couch? The bed is a couch. Okay. In your bathroom, she changes out of her performance gown into a uh, old oversized shirt that you have and some shorts, and she curls up on this couch. She's happy to to leave you in silence. She doesn't want to pry. She knows that she's imposing a lot, but you definitely feel her intense, like curious, searching gaze on the back of your head as you turn over and turn out the lamp and head to sleep for the night. You can feel her still awake, still sitting, still watching, long until after the moment that you fall asleep. And we can jump back to Joan in the Naturalist Society with the candlestick. It's a clue bit. Joan strides over to you, Susan, and you, Roman, and she says, um, I didn't know I missed board game night. Oh yeah, it was a riot. Can I help? What do you need? Medical attention. I'd love you to be more specific, unless you want me to give you a full physical right now. Someone who can use a pair of tweezers with a steady hand would be a place to start. That's your girl. She rummages over to the little cart that Kitty had thrown out some supplies on. As she's working, you can tell that she has a big tear in her leather jacket that uh, a little bit of dried blood has uh, coagulated around the edge of. And she pulls it off, and you can see that her light tan blouse is also stained with blood around the elbow and the forearm as she throws the jacket into the corner and rolls up her sleeves and begins to treat you. Do you have the name of the uh, the fellow that gave you uh, this little remember me by? Do I have an address I need to pay a visit to, Susan? <laughs> no, I shot first, but he got a shot off, so it's... It's nothing you need to worry about. I guess the naturalists, like, you asked them about the casino a little bit, yeah? Is that true? Or was that more on, like, Trixie's? No, that was more Trixie's. I don't think it's a secret where it was. That's, I guess, what I'm getting at. Does Joan know that you went to the casino tonight? I probably would have told her. As she begins to um, lower you down onto the cot and get in there with some tweezers and try to find the fragments of the bullet and pick them out and drop them into a little pan beside her, she says, um... So, uh, some rough scrapes, but overall, good night? Bad night? Yeah, I think we got what we came there for. Overall, a win, I would say. Did you know Knox was a demon? Knox? The the guy you brought around here? Yeah, he was a demon the whole time. Mm, no, did you? Oh, God, no. You think I would have brought one in here on purpose? Did he shoot you? Is he the one who shot you? God, no, he, he's been very cooperative. But I don't think even he knew he was working for Rex Lemaire indirectly. So that's a real mess. Yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. She twists her wrist at an unusual angle to try to uh, get around like a part of your muscle of your human body. And um, you can see her wince and grit her teeth as she kind of hyperextends her arm where the the wound is on her forearm. Hey, what's that? I was just uh, on patrol tonight. I came back here to kind of end the shift, but I thought I saw something, Susan. I don't know if you noticed anything tonight on your way back here, but um, the energy just seemed really kind of amped up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Do I know Kitty's out there? Yeah, I think Susan mentioned that in your conversation. I don't think you know that I'm looking for Ileana. Roman's going to try to stand up. <laughs> okay. Um, Whoa. I guess you could roll to, like, let it out to try to, like, get... But, like, it's... Standing up is not something that you're, like, super equipped to do at four harm. No, for sure. I think um, it's a situation of, like, I stand up. I'm maybe not going to roll. Maybe just let me stand up. And then I can collapse again closer to the door. Sure. 
Joan stops what she's doing and her hands freeze on the on the tweezers and she looks back at Roman and she says, um, Susan, does she need what's what's sorry, what? sorry, everything's a bloody mess. I sent Kitty out to find help. She's out there in the park? Yeah. By yourself? Yeah. Oh shit. She's a big girl. She can handle herself. Can I? Roman's like, don't let my <laughs> fucking sister die. Are you sure about that? The the girl I met? The charity lady? Yeah, that's How many the guns one. you send her out with? Zero? Negative one? <laughs> Negative one. She doesn't need guns. <laughs> I don't need guns. I have money. Are 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 you sure, Susan? Because if you can wait a few more minutes, I can go and grab her if she's just out by herself. Well, I sent her looking for someone, so hopefully she's not alone anymore. Okay, I mean, you you know best, Susan. Um, we're almost done here anyway. It'll be fine. And, Roman, what did I say about not moving? <laughs> Roman's child just be like, ah! <laughs> like Frankenstein's <laughs> monster getting off the table. Like, ah! <laughs> she, she's currently lying on the floor by the door. She's quiet for a while, and she's just like, I am sorry, and tell you, just, you wouldn't want, I'm just trying to protect this little corner of space that's mine and the people that I care about who live inside this corner. I. I'll, I won't, I don't know anybody else who's a demon, Susan, I'm sorry, I just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you, I'm just I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. You're not going to die, I accept your apology, I just need everyone to make better choices, and that starts with taking care of yourself, you can't pour from an empty cup, so take care of yourself first so you're not out of commission for several days. And then we can rid the city of demons for good. Kitty, you are walking back to the Naturalist Society. And it goes really well. And it goes super well and you make a lot of friends <laughs> and you get, um, you find a stray dog and the dog saves your life and it becomes like a dog kind of movie. <laughs> Kitty, you're making your way back to the Natural Society. You are carrying in both hands this wooden chalice that Ileana gave you that is full of some strange potion that she just casually whipped out in the middle of the woods. Your hands are still tingling a little bit from where she gripped them super tight, but otherwise you feel uh, pretty fine and normal as you wend your way through the wood. But after some time, um, you start to recognize your surroundings and you realize you're only about a few minutes away. And that is when you see a huge shape coursing over the night sky, um, blotting out the uneven moonlight that's filtering between the heavy clouds and the rain. Um, it's like the shape that you saw when you were in Fairside for the art gala that was soaring over as you had evacuated everyone out of the event. And you feel that shiver down your spine as some kind of monstrous creature is wheeling above. There's a demon on the loose in Fairmont Park. What do you do? I'm gonna try and run to the Natural Society without spilling this chalice. I'm not prepared to do this without my buddies. Oh, you're the first demon killer. <laughs> You've got the most demon kills of anyone in this party. <laughs> don't don't sell yourself short. You enter the sort of lawn of the Naturalist Society, and uh, on that relatively clear, flat terrain, you break into a light jog and then a full run, gathering your skirts with your hand, holding this chalice up like you're doing some kind of like, you know, egg spoon race, or you're like a goddess of victory, slicing your way across this meadow. And the building is coming into view. You can see the lights that were left on when you made your way out into the woods. And you're close enough that you can see the wrought iron railing on the stairs of the big porch leading up. And that is when a massive demon swoops down and plants itself between you and the building. It looks like um, a lion, but with more humanoid kind of limbs that still end in massive paws. It has big bat-like wings that cover its its massive body, and unusual for a lion, it has a forked snake-like tongue with hideous black eyes. You recognize it, of course. This is one of the demons that you let out in the basement of the Drake a couple hours ago that seemed to be making their way across the city. What do you do? 
excuse me, um, sir, um, may I please get, get by, please? It snarls and swipes a huge claw at you. You take, uh, one harm. Ah! You almost spill the potion. I don't spill the potion, though. No. You're a careful gal. This is a warning shot. Oh, I still have a harm marked from, um, getting shot way back when. Yeah, so you're up to two now. Cool, cool. I'm gonna scream. Inside the Naturalist Society, Roman, Susan, and Joan hear the scream of Kitty Yanakis not far out, yards away from the door that she left out of an hour ago. Susan, Joan has finished patching up your wound. Um, You restore the harm overnight as you rest it. Otherwise, you are able to move about, but with significant, you know, pain and harm dealt to you already. Roman, you are still uh, very injured, mostly on the floor. Roman's very floor-based. You're not a floor work. <laughs> Would I fuck up any chance of recovery if I take a gun and walk outside? Depends on how physically active that ends up being. I mean, I just want to stand on the porch and shoot it. You know, that would be fine. If if things got nastier than that, there's a question of, like, ripping the nice stitching that Joan just finished up. Sure, I want to grab my big gun off the wall or wherever I keep it and walk out onto the porch. After you scream, Kitty, a few moments later, you see the door bang open and Susan Starling limp out. She has thrown her jacket just over her shoulders, leaving her arms exposed because she doesn't want to wrap too much tight material around her very recently mended gunshot wound. She's holding her big rifle and she is getting ready to aim it a little bit woozily right at the back of the head of this demon that is towering over you as you cower in front of it. Jillian, do you want to roll to unleash an attack? Absolutely. Oh no. (laughs) It's a five. That's a five. Would I be able to get to a window or any door or anything? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it might take you like a moment to, you can tell me once I'm dragging yourself over to like the door she kicked open. Okay, I drag myself to the door. Uh, even before you get there, um, Joan has grabbed her pistol where she left it on the table entering and she uh, bursts out onto the porch as well. Um, she says, Susan, don't move. You're going to hurt yourself even more as you... Uh, try to fire off this shot, you know, after four hours of, like, spiked adrenaline, high-octane violence, um, the shot goes a little bit wide because you're about to pass out standing up. Joan steps out, and she trains her pistol on this demon, and she fires off a round that peppers into the joint where its wing meets its shoulder, and the thing screams and wheels around to face the two women on the porch. Roman, you've crawled over to the doorway behind them. Can I attempt to use fairy magic? Yeah, you're still alive, aren't you? You still got all your live bits. Yeah, then I use wild fury. Okay, that's the elemental. It is. What wild fury do you want to visit upon this demon? I would like to strike lightning down onto it. You're big on the lightning strikes lately, eh? I am? Yeah, you struck a Rex Lamera with a bolt of lightning. Oh, it's just like after I flooded my favorite bar and I was like, fuck, now I got to find a new spot. I'm less into the like area thing and more into the precision thing. Let's call it uh, an icicle. I fuck with that. That's hot. Yeah. Do you have to unleash an attack for this? It's just my power. I take corruption, which means I now take a corruption move. Nice. Roman, you stagger out feeling like, again, totally like garbage. Your organs are like failing or whatever. But you hear your sister scream and that produces an instinctual immediate response in you. And once again, even as you are so exhausted and so close to the edge of all of your energy, there's like a shock of adrenaline as Kitty screams out in trouble, in need of help. You half collapse onto the railing that leads down the steps at the front of the Natural Society. And with your free hand, you gather all of the rain that's pouring down in this canonically rain slick night you pull it into your hand and grip tight around it almost like forming a snowball except when you open your hand you're holding a huge dagger essentially made of ice you launch it into the back of this beast which gives a high keening scream and actually between your icicle toss and joan's pistol Um, the thing is bleeding heavily and its blood is like 
almost like tar, like heavy, hot, black, and bubbling, and splattering and staining the steps of the naturalist society. It begins to beat its powerful wings, one of them sort of limp and offset as it was struck by Joan's pistol, and it attempts to swoop into the air and fly back over the horizon. There's room for, like, parting shots if Susan or Joan are interested in that. Yeah, I'm interested in shooting it again. I guess also I recognize that it's one of the 13. Yeah, you would. Okay, these dice are cursed. That's another six. I'm so upset. A six? Is that double fails in this attack? Yeah. I mean, you're lucky you don't rip your stitches out where you're standing and this thing's already trying to leave. You half drop, half throw the rifle onto the porch and you collapse back onto the railing next to Roman. Kitty, as this demon flies away, its blood like lands in heavy petals in front of you and on your feet and it's disgusting and sticky and smelly. I'm really getting into the visceral stuff today. You see Susan, Roman, and the, you recognize Joan, of course, all on the porch having come to your aid to chase off this demon. I'm going to run over to them with the chalice and say, drink this, this will help. Okay. Roman Kitty offers you a wooden chalice full of probably familiar smelling um, plants. It's probably something that you might have seen Ileana uh, make or use before. I guzzle it on up. Is there enough for both of them? No, she made one batch because you asked for one. You said sister. Fairy rules. Leprechaun rules. Roman, as you drink this down, again, that, that same sensation. And it's been a it's been a few weeks, I think, since you last saw and interact with Ileana. This presence, this awareness, this sensation of understanding and seeing and watching the golden lines of light and particles in the air as you witness the flow and ebb of all magic in the area around you, where normally you would see the same little like shoots and particles floating off of Kitty and into the air. Instead, she has no golden light surrounding her whatsoever. But you can barely focus on that because your organs are re-knitting themselves back together. Your, like, blood is reforming in your veins and scabs and wounds on your skin are closing up like tiny little hands are stitching them together. And you're healed a miraculous three harm, which is quite impressive. You gasp and pant as, like, this sudden surge of energy enters your body as you finish your shot <laughs> and suck on a lime. Holy shit. Wait, is, uh... Kitty visibly injured? She has like a, a claw on the on the shoulder. Nothing so bad. See, I always go shoulder. I love shoulders. It's the sexiest part of a person. And Susan injured how bad? She's at three. But she also has been treated by Joan. Like she received capable medical treatment before you did, so she's probably closer on the path to recovery. She's still bad. She could still use healing, but she is probably not in need of urgent medical attention at this second. Well, now that I have a corruption move, I gain the rest of my fairy powers. We finally have a healer in the group. We got a healer. And all it costs is a little bit of corruption. So I will mark corruption immediately again and um, heal Susan for two. Do you want to describe it? She's always wanted to do this, but I think maybe now she's being a little bit wary of Ileana. However, she does the same thing that Ileana likes to do. Maybe Kitty's like, I see what you're doing here. <laughs> she takes Susan's hands and puts them palm up and then gently runs her like much less manicured and clipped and perfect nails along Susan's skin. And then Roman rests her hands on the back of Susan's and you see that like little trickle of, of golden glitter for just a, a second. Susan, you're healed to harm. Any any words to share after your like intense conversation about being careful and helping each other and, and sticking together? I think this kind of puts a nice interesting button on it. I was thinking like um, the last conversation, not me healing her now, was the intimate moment. How do you feel, Joanne? You did say you were deliberately trying to shut me out during that conversation, so I don't think I experienced intimacy there, but if you did, that's fine. You can trigger your move. I think this act of care is nice, though. And I think you see Susan cry a single silent tear because she is so sad and so defeated and sitting on this fucking oh. porch after missing two shots and trying to be patched up, and it's been such a night. I don't even think she can say anything in this moment. It's so overwhelming. Okay, um, would you count that as intimacy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Demand a promise from them. 
Uh, if they refuse you or break the promise, they owe you two debts. I don't know if I'm always gonna be around, and um, as we have just talked about, I don't always have the best decisions made. Um, if you could just look after my sister and Fairside and everything, especially if I'm not there at any time to do that, I'd really appreciate it. What, you planning on dying? Well, <laughs> and I like gesture to my, when I get healed, is there like no trace? Am I still like scarred to shit? I think you are probably a little scarred and you're definitely covered in like ripped, sweaty, bloodstained clothing head to toe. True. Well, I gesture to that mess. We're doing a lot of things that we're not planning these days. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll be there. You can count on me. I think this is a moment that Roman really considers Susan to be your friend. We love friendship here. My intimacy move is about questions. I ask you a question that you have to answer honestly, and you get to ask me a question in return that I should answer honestly, or I can mark corruption to not answer honestly. This is funny, because as a fae, like, any time I ever lie, I have to mark corruption anyway. <laughs> so I would have had to tell you anyway, but hit me with your question. This whole thing can't just be about sunshine, right? It, it's got to be something bigger for you. Is my sister in earshot? This is embarrassing. I'm elsewhere getting treated by Joan. Is that the idea? You can lean in close and get more intimate. Yeah, we're like palm to palm. Palm to palm is holy palmer's kiss. Miss Shakespeare said that. <laughs> Damn. Roman is like, this is embarrassing. But, you know, I've think, been thinking a lot about why I want to please Eliana so much. And I think I just kind of latched onto her really early on as the only person who would take me in and uh, make me feel useful and make me feel talented, even if I maybe am not so talented. But you know that Kitty and I are sisters and she, um, she followed in the family footsteps a little better. So I don't know, I guess I don't want to let down another person again. Okay, I clasp your hands and I say, you are talented. Don't ever doubt that. That means a lot to Roman. It really does. I think at the same time, she's like, it's funny. I think I'm starting to care less and less about what Ileana thinks or doesn't think of me. And it's partially thanks to you guys. And you get a question for Susan, correct? You know, I really want to know why she hates demons so much. If there's like a story there. Oh. <laughs> How much time do you have? Can I like make this a bit of a two-parter? Roman is like, <laughs> partially for like the interest sake of like listening to this podcast. Um, Roman is kind of like, okay. Like, it can't just be about the sunshine with me. It can't just be about demons for you and, and wanting to do the greater good for all these shitty people in this shitty city. Why why do you hate them so much? And are you really telling me that you are never gonna side with Nox, look at Nox, talk to Nox ever again? I know you care a lot about your family, right? A lot. Well, my sister. Yeah, you've made that pretty clear. And if the demons took away your sister, would you not want would you not want to rid the town, rid the earth? E yeah, probably. Well, the demons took my brother. I'm so sorry. How old were you? How long ago was this? Ten years, give or take. I get it. I do. I mean. I'm not gonna sit here and lecture you about how Nox didn't kill your brother or whatever. I know you know that. But, I don't know. I think, I don't want this to hurt you even further. What's important is that the city is safe and the demons don't hurt anyone else.
Do you, Roman, want to follow up on what you saw when you drank the potion, or do you want to save that for the future? It could be like the ending bit of this, or it could be something for later. Let's do this as the ending bit. Let's get home. Maybe you kind of like are settling into Alan's room slash now your room pretty solidly. Slash a library on demon info. I'd like to just highlight that one again in case it ever becomes important. I think I would sit down on Kitty's bed very quiet for a long time. And maybe you're like, I want to go to bed. (laughs) I want you to go to bed. You want me to go to bed? Well, I'm not. And I'm also not telling you why I'm in your room. I'm just sitting there, like, thinking. That's, like, so top-tier, like, sister (laughs) shit. (laughs) That's so true to life. Okay, sorry. Can you usually do these visions at will? Yes. You could probably trigger it for me, because it's, like, uh, smells and stuff. You would know. I'd like to ask you to to try. Cat. I I don't know how to just and maybe I'll like take the locket that you use and I like will open it and try to evoke the smell for you and see if anything happens and I'm like do you feel any differently I'm sorry what what are you trying to do force a vision any vision what are you asking me to see anything anything any any more at all um I don't I'm so sorry, Kitty. I'm so sorry. I, sh- I should have told you to stay away from Ileana. Uh, I think maybe this was all my fault. Uh, please, please just try to have a vision. Anything, anything, please. Well, I asked, I actually didn't roll for, um, for, for tellings, so I'll roll for tellings. 12. Okay, you have to give me something that you're trying to see. I guess, like, how... Maybe my um, my arrival home will be taken. I want to see in four hours or whatever, or like eight hours when people wake up to me being back in the apartment. You close your eyes and inhale these scents and feel your mind start to drift as you uh, picture yourself walking out of the called cab up to the doorman back into your apartment. And normally when you would sort of just let yourself fade away and let this vision play out and inform your actions, you find yourself unable to do so. You're picturing yourself standing in your apartment, but it's not a vision. It's just you imagining it with a nice floral scent. And as you furrow your brow and concentrate and try to reach for the magic that you know is within you, you find the picture before your eyes just fading into nothingness, into blackness that fills your entire vision and obscures you until all you can see is a sort of static pattern or something like falling snow. When you open your eyes again, Roman is staring into your face, horrified. What did she say to you? I know Ileana always has something to say. I know she never lets anything slip by and nothing's ever free. So what did she say to you? She didn't say very much, really. Uh, She's like tightly gripping her sister now, maybe like a little too much. And she's like, what? Every word that you can remember, what did she say? um, She asked me if I would do anything to help you. And I said I would. I guess she um, touched my arm. I, she did some kind of magic, but I thought that was just making the, the potion to heal you. I think... I think she took away your powers. That's not very sporting. I'm gonna sigh and say, you need to go to bed. You aren't going to get much better if you don't get a good night's sleep. I don't... I can't... I can't sleep, Kitty. I... I don't know. Have I been a bad sister? Have I caused you too much trouble? I think Roman is too at a loss for words. She doesn't know what's the right thing, the best thing to say to her sister to make everything okay, because there is nothing. Um, she'll go lie in her bed, but she's not going to sleep, so if you try to sneak out... She's, and you're not quiet. She's going to hear you. I'm going to try and sneak out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do want to leave a note and all the clues because I have the sunshine recipe. And yeah, so I'm going to leave all of that behind. Yeah. Roman, who has been like resuscitated from near death, 
is probably <laughs> pretty sweet. Fair. Um, but if she's like determined to stay awake and keep like a vigil, like I don't think you expect Kitty to like secretly leave tonight. No, that's not what I think is happening. I think she's like racked with guilt of like potentially failing what has become her biggest goal is like protect my sister. Not only did she get stabbed by a demon, she also lost her powers. Like it would have been so much better if she didn't come and hang out here at all. Like I should have just let Philip steal her away. I think there's that moment of like Roman is awake and lying and staring at the ceiling, but she is just like too physically tired and emotionally tired and and lies in bed and hears the footsteps, her sister creaking out, the door, the car coming and going, and she's just like, she didn't sleep all night. So she's gonna be extra exhausted tomorrow and she's like crying for hours, which is um, a thing I think she makes a point not to do. I like that. That's a very, that's a very grim, like you hear it and you just like don't have the emotional, physical energy to stop it. You lie there staring up the ceiling and you know when you're a kid and you're like sitting in your bed and you can see outside on like the ceiling of your room car headlights like passing and then fading, like if you're lying down in the back of a car or something like that, you just see this car roll up, you hear I mean, you'd know Kitty's demure footsteps everywhere. Anyone else stomps up and down the stairs in this rundown tenement house you call home. And you hear her murmuring quietly to the driver outside your window. You hear the door open and then shut and the car purr to life and gently speed away. And um, you lie there, Roman, staring at the ceiling, dreading the next day that's going to come. Thanks for listening to episode 12 of Lakeshore. We'll be back on July 21st with episode 13. And our patrons can check out our first ever bonus episode next week on July 14th. If you want to listen to the secret special episode and help support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash many realms. <laughs>